Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. favorite podcast in soccer we trust i'm jimmy cream cheese conrad alongside my two usual suspects charlie chuck wagon davies and hollywood heath pearson on today's show we're going to talk about wayne rooney's return to the states with dc united i did not see that coming everyone luis suarez potentially following gareth bale's lead to come to mls as well and some crazy results overall in a big rivalry week in our domestic league and how some of our players in the u.s men's national team player pool fared in those crazy ass games but first before i start with a big question for my two friends here in heath i'm going to put you in the hot seat first so fasten your seatbelt now my friend i have to let you know that we are a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the people's choice podcast awards which is truly amazing and we hope that you'll take the 60 seconds needed to go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category find in soccer we trust Hit that and help us win another trophy in our careers because I definitely needed more trophies. I don't feel like I won as many as I should. We've also included the link at the top of the episode description as well. Okay, okay. Question time. So, Heath, I'm coming to you first. Now, whatever you think of MLS, everybody, love it, hate it, indifferent to it, whatever. Do you think our national team would be as good if it didn't exist? Wait, what? Like, like, do you think our national team, how, how important do you think MLS has been to the development of players and then how that feeds into the national team. Cause I'm, we're going to be talking MLS a lot today. And I just wanted to have a little bit of some context about how important the league has been to, or the, the infrastructure that's being built. Now, obviously there's been mistakes made and there's going to be mistakes made moving forward. I think that's part of, of the league growing and trying to compete in a lot of different ways with, with foreign leagues, but also the, the other sports leagues in this country. Yeah. So there has to be some risk that are taken to, to try to catch up in a lot of different ways, both on and off the field. Yeah. But but I guess I'm trying to extrapolate, and I want to, I can't wait to hear from Charlie as well no, no, on this. I, yeah. If there was no domestic league, though, but I'll start with you, Heath. If there's no domestic league, well, then I guess our players would just go over to Europe like they used to with like, Eric Winalda days and, and all that. And we could argue we'd probably still potentially have a pretty robust national team, but maybe we wouldn't. I mean, maybe we wouldn't no. be as strong. What, what do you say? Yeah, no, I, I think for, for any country to have a dominant national team, you have to have a strong and and uh, fundamental domestic league. I think we're getting to that point. Now, MLS, because of its quirks and the way that it was built in single entity, has gone through a lot of these phases of creating these different mechanisms for uh, player salaries, right? Uh, 
allocation money, things like that, that I think has created the ebb and flow of the development of the American player. But without Major League Soccer, we are not a strong national team at all. Now, again, you go back to Bob's era. He wanted more players in Europe. Most of those players, though, were still starting their careers in Major League Soccer. Now you look at the players and you still have a large contingency in Europe. They're going earlier. Or maybe you have a Gio Reyna who's in NYCFC. Now, okay, you could say that MLS in itself, but he's still in their system before he leaves. So I think 95% of success stories that we're going to see in the national team, both now and into the future, are going to have some sort of direct link to Major League Soccer. Might not be first-team football, but it's going to be within their academies or some sort of infrastructure. And that sort of development of the league is I think the most important factor to our national team ever being a dominant force is the infrastructure that the league is providing beyond, again, the first team player. Uh, the first team player, I think, is still important in the national team, but the league in itself, I think, is the most important factor towards our national team being successful both now and into the future. That's my take. Okay. No, no, no. I And, and Charlie, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of a different angle on this, um, and I want you to answer the same thing I said from the start, but... I want to make sure that there's some context here. By no means, I think, are we going to raise our hand and say that MLS is perfect. They, they have made some mistakes. We were all part of the union, the players' union, and the collective bargaining agreement, and we wish in some ways they, they, they would take off the handcuffs and actually let these owners spend in the, and, and just let it go, right, and let it grow in a way now where I think the, the stability is there, and that's why I think the single entity structure was in place to kind of counter the historical failures of developing a professional league here in the States for, for a number of years, NASL being the most obvious one that ended up folding in 83. And it took us, what, 15, 14, 15 years to get it going again. So I understand why those mechanisms were put in place. But at some point, you'd like to think that there was a plan to evolve from that. And then now I feel like we're there. So, so you know, <clears throat> but, but yeah, I guess you can kind of pick and I just try to l let everybody know that, 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 because we everybody thinks we're MLS homers, and and to a certain extent, you know, I I, I am because that's my whole career was played in it. But but I also see it for what it is, and that it has has room to grow and, and to continue to bet, get better and to continue to strive. And I think that's all we want is that they're 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 looking towards that. The people that are making decisions are trying to make, work towards that. But go ahead, go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a huge contribution to the development of the sport in this this country. Initially, it was started off the heels of the 1994 World Cup because everyone saw how incredible the sport was. And for the, for the, I guess, vast majority of Americans, they didn't know about soccer. They didn't know what the, the power of the sport and how it brings people together and, and how easy it is to play. And, and I think when you talk about Major League Soccer in the early stages, it's entertainment. You're trying to get people to buy into the sport because you, you need to fund. You need to fund it. You need to fund bringing uh, attractive players to the league. So you, you pull out all these different types of quirks that the five second dribble up. I mean, that, that was something I, I loved as a kid, but um, it, it allowed me to grow. It gives you visibility and, and something that you wouldn't have had, had you not had this league here. And then a lot of players, they got the opportunity to, to, to one go to games, but then train with teams, be a part of, of the early MLS sides and then make the move without MLS. Our, our national team is not where it is today. That is a fact. And you look at it currently, a lot of these players, they started with the academies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe they didn't play for an MLS side, but you, you can't tell me from maybe ages of 10 to 14 or 8 to 14, whatever it is, that they weren't involved 
with the MLS academies or, you know, being involved with these MLS sides, whether it's clinics, uh, tournaments, camps, whatever it is, it has played a huge role in, in our country. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you, Jimmy. I've had the benefit of, of developing here, going to college, but then going to Europe and playing and pushing myself, but ultimately coming back to MLS. So I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen it on both, both sides of the coin. It's, it's an incredible league and it's only getting better. Of course, there's going to be some ups and downs and a lot of people have hate because you, 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 you hold the English Premier League and La Liga and the Bundesliga to a certain standard. And, and now you're starting to see more players from America go with those leagues because of what they're able to do here. No, no, no. I appreciate both of you guys. Jimmy, real, go ahead. Go ahead, Heath. Real, real, real quick. I, this is my, my, my thing about the arguments that we, we all face anytime that we protect or stand up for a, an MLS. And it's more usually the MLS player than it is the, the, the league, but we are considered, we are called, or I am at least called, uh, a shill for a propaganda. No, no, no. Yeah, propaganda. A propaganda. <laughs> and my question to anybody is what, how, did, how did our national team get, how is the talent pool better now than it was before? And if you don't think that it's because of Major League Soccer, then it is just a generational group of talent. And we're going to go back to being not very good again or average. or I mean, I don't mean not very good, but I mean not competing to be one of the best in the world. But those same people are the ones talking about 2026 and 2030 and like we're going to win a World Cup soon. How, how are those players going to get better? Is it Because we've always had the most participation uh, in soccer at the youth level. We've always had the potential. We've always had the athletes. We've always had the raw material goods, but it's because of major league soccer and the academies and the development, of course, the national team and other things that, and other factors and other players uh, of diverse backgrounds. But by and large, the success of that is going to be rooted in player development coming through major league soccer. USL can do the same. I think lower division has an important role in all those things, but the stability of major league soccer and the foundation of that is going to be what we go back to and look at as the single defining success as to why we have a higher quality of players playing at the biggest clubs in Europe and competing at the national team level for potentially trophies in the future. And we got FC Dallas as a great example. They have a lot of players that have gone over to Europe from FC Dallas. We were championing the a youth academy from Philadelphia Union for the U-20s because four of their players starred as we qualified for the Olympics in the U-20 World Cup recently. So, yes, I mean, those those are incredibly important. I'm just naming two. There's plenty of other academies that are contributing players at, at different levels and sending players over to Europe. And I think that's a good evolution that we're falling into. Now, I'm here in Minneapolis right now. I'm not at one of Chuck's uh, many estates. Uh, he let me borrow a room. But I'm here in Minneapolis for the USA Cup, which is the biggest uh, youth tournament in North America. And uh, I'm the MC here. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're here, everybody, come say hi. But what I found interesting is I went and watched uh, a couple teams yesterday play, and, and there was a U10 team from Chicago, and there's this one kid who's an absolute baller, just running it, his aggressiveness, his ideas, his off-the-ball running, fantastic. And I, and I wonder, how do we keep tabs on that kid? Like, how do we, how do we keep an eye on what he's doing? And, and, and are, are we scouting at that level? Maybe, maybe not. But, but what was also interesting for me is I talked to some of the parents, talked to the coach, and one of their things, and this is kind of ties, ties into the MLS conversation we're having. They're like, why are the Chicago fires so bad? <laughs> and that wouldn't have happened before, though. I mean, the fact that they're paying attention, the fact that they have, and this is really important for, for development as well, is that you go into a game live. 
seeing what these players are doing off the ball, seeing that, hey, I want to play in that league. I want to represent that team. And I think I can do what those guys are doing or maybe do it even better is incredibly important for, for the visualization part of, of the dream, right? You have a dream and now you can see it. It's tangible. It's in front of you. You can go to the games. And then from there, you can start to take bigger steps. And I think that was really vital to, to our development as well as we got to watch games when we were younger. Now, I didn't have MLS to lean on. I'm a little bit older, as you guys know. But I went to UCLA games and, and Joe Max Moore was playing Kobe Jones, Brad Friedel. So I was definitely uh, part of or watching or witnessing uh, some great talent that obviously went on to represent the U.S. at the highest levels. All right, now let's put pivot to some, some big stories that are coming uh, out of MLS. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to go to you first. Wayne Rooney is apparently returning, but not as a player. He's going to come back as a manager, a million dollars a year around to be the manager of DC United, who are tied with the Chicago Fire as the worst team in MLS and are coming off a 7-0 ass-kicking to Philadelphia <laughs> Union this past weekend. I didn't see this coming at all. He, he, uh, Wayne Rooney spent 18 months uh, with Darby. They're obviously in a crappy situation, got relegated from the championship into League One. I'm kind of thinking that Wayne Rooney is a masochist. He just likes pain. He likes suffering. And because and, this this DC United job it, it is not a pretty one. And they've been a bit of a mess for, for a little while now, haven't qualified for the playoffs since Wayne Rooney left in 2019, his last mm -hmm. season. What is he doing? And, and how do you think he's going to do when he comes back? Because we even saw the great Thierry Henry when he came back to Montreal and after leaving Monaco, he managed 29 games for Montreal, only won nine. So it's not a guarantee that if you're a great player, you're no. going to turn into a great manager. Well, that's 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 a fact. <laughs> there, there's, there's a number of things that I look at with this decision. Well, one, it can't get worse than what they have now. <laughs> so that's that's one. Sure, nowhere else to go but up, everybody. You, you, really, you can't. You can only go up because it is it is it is rock bottom. Now, the, the, I think when you're looking at what Rain Rooney has done in Major League Soccer, so he's come, he's un, he understands what goes into this league and um, some of the successful teams, what worked for DC United when he was there versus what didn't. I guess m my questions would, would be around, he left his DC United contract early. This is desperate, right? This is desperate. He left his co contract early because his family couldn't settle. He wanted to go back to England because his family felt better over there. So he goes to Derby County as a player and then transitions into manager. Now, he, he had some, some spurts while he was managing Derby County to say, man, we see a promise with Wayne Rooney as a manager. He comes in and makes an immediate impact. But also we've seen him go through the too many changes in, with the personnel and the shape and the tactics. And I think it was 14 games without a win. So... You're not getting a proven manager whatsoever, and he hasn't had a, a number of years behind him to say, we want to back our future with Wayne Rooney. This is 100% a desperate hire. This is a panic hire. It happened. It just so happened that Wayne Rooney resigned from his, his management role, and DC loses 7-0. I don't know when the initial contact happened. I'm sure they were in contact here and there since he's left, but it was probably like, hey, we gotta, we're going to offer you the contract. That's it. There, there's no there's no real negotiation here. It's just how much money would it take for you to come and manage? So I guess for DC United supporters standpoint, it's um, is this a business decision for Wayne Rooney? Is this something just for, you know, a year or two years? Is there a long term plan? What's the vision? What is his ambition? 
there's there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't think there's been many. We haven't had any, any answers to these questions. So I, I'm not a, I know it's better than what they have now. But if I'm a fan for DC United and I have a, a real love for the club, I'm not a, I'm not super excited about this. Keith, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because does Wayne Rooney need more money? Like, I feel like that guy's did he blow it somewhere that we're unaware of? Has he got a gambling problem? I don't understand why he would come back and take this opportunity. Clearly, it's a challenge in some capacity, but I thought that he left DC United because his family didn't like living in DC, didn't like living in the States, they didn't settle in. So maybe he just doesn't like hanging with his wife and kids. I don't know exactly what his personal motivation is to come back and try to be the salvation for DC United because it doesn't look like they have much hope of making the playoffs this year. Now, they do have a couple players with Taxi Fontes and, and Ola Kamara. They're scoring goals. but I really, leave it at Taxi. Okay, oh, let's would, just say yeah. Taxi. But, but outside of that, I don't know how much he has to work with. I mean, I know that he knows a lot of those players still because he played with a few of them. Uh, Steve Birnbaum, the mm-hmm. captain in particular. So um, Bill Hamid in goal, you know. But but outside of that, I don't know. I don't know. This is a really interesting hire for me. And and maybe it's what? Lipstick on a pig? Is that the phrase? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I agree with, with, with Charlie's sentiments. And it does feel desperate. The, the, the only thing that I will give him is Wayne Rooney was and 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 his legendary status sort of faded early as a player right he he was 16 and and playing in, in Everton and then kind of had the the younger end of like a legendary career and then sort of faded off at, at a younger age but he's still only 36 I think he is and I like the idea of of take Wayne Rooney's name out of it right I like the idea of a young manager I like the idea of 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 somebody like that that could come in and put in the time. I like the idea of the fact that he spent his time at Derby County, which he helped them survive relegation 2021 and then ended up relegating in 21-22, which means he's had to go through tough times. And for somebody that came from a very polished sort of, not polished, I'm not speaking about his childhood, but but a polished professional environment, you at least learn some things when you're going through difficult times. You go through adversity. I don't think he's a good manager for... DC United, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. It's definitely desperate. But I'm trying to find some sort of what can Wayne uh, Rooney bring positive. to the table now? Some, some yeah. Sort of yeah. yeah, I'm trying. I, that's, that's what I'm looking for now. Yeah, his network. I, his I, I network. think that he, he – yeah, I – he still got a. He was a player in a situation where he was a very privileged player in a situation where he doesn't understand the me, uh, the mechanics of the way the league works with with uh, uh, players and Tam budgets. And Tam and, and Tam and, and Tam and, <laughs> and yeah, like you know all those things and I, and that I think is going to be a struggle. But I do like the fact that he he started his career in a difficult situation as as a manager and and he's he had to have learned a lot even though you could quote unquote say he failed. During that tenure, he had the success the year before and then the, the eventual outcome a year later. I'm trying to see that there's something there of like a willingness to put in the work to learn. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney's going to come in and fix DC United now, but it seems like he's willing to grind and hustle and 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 get his hands dirty, which I think you can't be said a lot about a lot of players, especially players of, of his level to get into the to the professional coaching environment and be willing to do the same thing that they did as a player starting from scratch and then start mm-hmm. to grind and grind and grind to build and develop because being a coach is it's it's hard no matter how natural you are it is very challenging now now jacob has a, a good comment says if you didn't watch derby last season in the championship wayne rooney had a team at rock bottom playing great soccer it's a great move for for dc united but 
from some so of the pundits. He wants play. He wants them not winning. Well, I don't know. Well, they, some they, of the won like, they won like 17 games out of 50-something, and they finished 23rd out of 24th or 25th out of 26. I mean, they got 21 though. points deducted. I, I, all I'm going to say is that the pundits are saying that Wayne Rooney had the benefit of the all these excuses. Well, we got Doc 21 points. We got this. And it's they're saying that it's really easy to motivate a team when everybody's against you, right? You're the underdog. Mm-hmm. You got nothing to lose, yeah. everything to gain. And they just don't That's think tough, that Wayne though. I, I know that. I thought that was I mean, I've been, in, I've, I've been in, really I've been in relegation, and you can have all the excuses in the world. Yeah, you take a little bit of the pressure off, but like living with failure day to day in a locker room, knowing that whatever, like that's a tough motivation because the easier thing is to just be like, what's the point of all this? You know, let's let's just let's just chuck in the season and and work on getting out of this club because it's in a crap situation. So I agree with that's on fair. some level, but also. Um, you know, I'm just playing with I'm house money you know is not easy team. for 40 games. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, would people feel the same way if DC United went out and got Jose Mourinho? I, I'm just throwing out these names. Um, sure. you know, I think if you said, "Hey, we're we're gonna go invest in a coach that knows how to build and has kind of had experience building a club and having results," um, then then maybe you say. Hey, Pochettino. All right, we got Mauricio Pochettino. He just left PSG. He was, he was fired at PSG, but he's had success. You know, right. Southampton, Tottenham. That you say, hey, all right, this this feels good. This doesn't feel rushed either. The fact that this was so rushed and it feels so desperate, and it, it's not like they went through an interview process. It was, oh, we're going to keep Chad Ashton as the interim manager till the end of the year, and then we'll start to assess, and probably throughout the year, We'll have conversations with people, but we're going to take the time. That was that was what they said. That's what they stated. The whole season, we're going to have Chad Ashton be the interim manager. That tells you right now that you have zero expectation to compete. You have thrown away the season. You're just going to basically say, hey, guys, we're okay with finishing last. We're going to take the time to get this right, this next hire. Then all of a sudden, haven't they been doing that for four or five years? <laughs> yeah, but you know, that, how, how not? I mean, they they made a hire and it didn't go well, right? So, you you fire the manager. You probably shouldn't have have kept him in the first place, and then fired him what three months into the season or two months yeah. into the season. Yeah. So I think from that standpoint, there's no there's no plan, there's no process. It's rushed, it's chaotic, and we're just saying we got thrashed seven nil. Let's make a hire. Let's let's get people excited because we're taking we're taking a beating. I just don't see the the long term vision with this. It's it's very short sighted and, so, so, and a risk. It's just no, a, definitely. It's, it's well, real, I mean, it, obviously, it's a risk worth taking in their standpoint. If he gets, well, I think it's been confirmed. I mean, if he gets a million dollars a year, he'd be the highest paid co- uh, coach in their in club's history. Uh, but but what's interesting, what you guys brought up his network. Now, there's a lot of rumors floating around that Luis Suarez might be heading to MLS. He has mm-hmm. come out and said there's five or six offers from unnamed MLS teams. Uh, the 35-year-old striker is currently a uh, free agent, as they we like to call it here in the States, after leaving Atletico Madrid. Now, he scored 68 goals. He has scored 68 goals and 132 caps for Uruguay. Um, he has a combined 336 goals and 182 assists across La Liga, the Premier League, the Eredivisie. I mean, the guy is, is no joke. He had 11 goals and three assists in 35 matches, probably a little bit below what we think he's capable of for Atleti last season. But the season before, when he made the move from Barcelona to Atleti, 
he helped Atleti win La Liga, which I thought was a, a nice uh, middle finger moment for him, especially when Barcelona discarded him so casually. Now, what I find interesting about this Luis Suarez thing, there's been some rumors that Wayne Rooney's going to try to bring him to DC United. But I found this to be awesome. In an interview, Luis Suarez says, the market in MLS is very complex. Some clubs want you, but they don't have the slots and so it would have to be for January. This is what Suarez said. This is crazy. Other clubs want you now, but I have to evaluate if they have a chance to qualify for the playoffs. I'm not closing the door to anyone. I've listened to all the offers, but if some MLS teams don't qualify for the playoffs, they end their season in the first week of October. And that's not useful for me because I would stop a month ahead of the World Cup, which wouldn't be good for me. How the hell does Luis Suarez know so much about MLS and Gam and Tam and all that stuff, Heath? I don't even really know what's happening, but I absolutely love that Luis Suarez is this informed about how the league works. If, if it's he, also funny. If, if he means it, if he means it about the playoffs, he's not going to DC United because they have no chance in hell. <laughs> What's so funny though is about the narrative of Gareth Bale coming was that it was a positive because you finish the season heading into a World Cup, you can have a good run of form, and then you're going into a World Cup into this situation. But for him, he's thinking about obviously you have to find the right club. But knowing that complexity, I think is is great, and I and I think that's also a testament to to. Well, one, just the league growing and and more information, more players coming and going back and sort of sharing the gospel, better or worse, uh, of what it was like to play in the league and signing players and all those types of things for someone like him. But, I mean, he would be a huge asset for, uh, I think, the, the the league. And you think about a DC United, same thing. But if you're a player like him, you're, you're kind of like, well, where, where's the upside for me, right? I, I can come, but like because of the fact that the implications of not making a playoff in, in season one would mean literally that, that his season would end very, very early and, and, and has some ramifications for him. I think that's something you seriously have to consider. And, and then that limits you to teams that you know are most likely going to make it in the league. And do they have a slot available? And if they have a slot, do they have the ability to pay you what you want to go into that slot? Cause there's a number of play- There's hundreds of players around the world that have names that we've heard of that are constantly trying to get into three or four markets in MLS. And it's just not possible anymore for those players, uh, unless they can be an instant yeah. contributor or, or work around the Killaney bail deal where they're non DPs and you leave those slots open. Uh, Jimmy, if, if, yeah. if you, if you were to guess where would be the best fit for a Luis Suarez in MLS right now? I mean, probably the teams that, that need a little bit of punch up top and, and that but maybe have a little a that defensive thing, right? It's no, a, it wouldn't be. It's like what eighteen months. I, I bet you get you know so you, you get him for you six gotta months this now. year. And you you got to win now. Now, oh, that's tough. I mean, when you look at New York Red Bulls right now are on top of the Eastern Conference, do they do they need them? They seem to rely yes, heavily on younger players. They could use uh, them, but I mean, if you want to win now with this group, Suarez. I mean, the thing is, Suarez finished the year right. Not not too many starts to to finish the year, and. It could, it, there could be a number of reasons. His, his last like real contribution was um, two goals against Alaves on April 2nd. And mm-hmm. he played 29 minutes in that game. And then right. if you go back nine for a 90-minute game, it's February 6th against Bar- right. his former right. club Barca, goal and assist. And, of course, that's the motivation playing against your old club. Right. But, um, you know, of the, of the last, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches, he, he had just uh, – Two start, three starts, forty-five minutes, seventy yeah. minutes. Good. That means that minutes. means his so, legs are fresh. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I, I would say you you need to play 
in a system that will suit him where he's not going to have to be doing a ton of running. This is a, 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 yeah. a player that you just want to finish. Red Bulls play that high aggressive intense yeah. uh, system where he's going to be closer to goal. That that would be a home run for me or a replacement for Tati Castellanos. If That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Because because NYCFC, Tati Castellanos just came out in an interview after their game against New England saying that he wants to leave. He's ready to go mm-hmm. to Europe. And they had 37 goals in 18 games. So so to your point, Charlie, if Castellanos left, Suarez could kind of slot into a team that's already creating a lot of chances. And obviously, we know that Suarez is capable of finishing a lot of those chances. Orlando's an interesting one for me. Only 24 goals for in 19 games. So they're clearly not doing a lot on the offensive side of the ball and making things difficult. But they're fifth. They're currently in a playoff spot. So I wonder what he looks at that. He obviously, he's probably talked to Phil Neville in Miami, David Beckham. They've only got 18 goals in 18 games. I, I wonder if he would take that. They already got Gonzalo Iguain, so so I don't know. And Campana's oh. really come around up top. Austin so would I don't be know awesome. Austin would be great, but but uh, they're kind of cruising. And, and it, yeah, I don't know. You, you look at Cecilio Dominguez, and and he's been out for a while. So is there a way to get him into the squad? And and I mean, if you look at what they've been able to do with Maxi Aruti, who's mm-hmm. largely mm-hmm. A, a you know just a, a solid contributor, not not really a game changer. If you were to get Luis Suarez in that squad, then I mean, they're averaging two goals a game right now, uh, right. Austin FC. And, and so you, to your point, again, they're creating chances. So yeah, you're right. Would he go to Austin though? I mean, to, to Heath's point, maybe that's not a market that, that Luis Suarez really wants to entertain. I feel like it's going to be on one of the coasts. So, so maybe the galaxy comes in. They're obviously been a destination for big names and Douglas Costa yeah, hasn't really worked out. Room. Yeah. I mean, they got to get rid of Cabral or, or, you know, they're trying to, you know, Chicharito and Suarez. That would be interesting. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they'd have to do something with one of their other DPs. They want but to win you, now. I don't know. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say the days of having to choose only a coast are gone in, in Major League Soccer? I, I, because if you're looking at the league, it used to be, I'm only going to L.A., I'm only going to New York. And then Miami came in. You're like, all right, I'd go to Miami. But I, I feel right now the, the way Major League Soccer has grown, and, and you talk about the new stadium, Cincinnati, even though Charlotte is in a football stadium, it seems like real everyone in the city is, is pumped around Charlotte. And, and I feel like it's a it's a good vibe. You throw in Nashville and their new stadium, Columbus Crew and their new stadium. I just feel that it's not so much east-west. It's who has the best package? Who's going to be uh, you know the most right. convincing? Chicago Fire is another club. Horrible. <laughs> but could use a, a, a big name like Suarez. <laughs> and maybe... That could be a, a, a perfect destination, but they'd have to make some moves. And Casper Shabilka, they spent a lot of money to to acquire him. The Charlotte, uh, I see Charlotte people um, saying, I mean, who wouldn't want Luis Suarez in the short term? He probably right. doesn't have too many years left um, at, at this level because it is a, a very fast and, a, and aggressive, pacey type of league now. But uh, I mean, it's it's great that he's talking about the league. You talk about Major League Soccer, I, and he knows the details. Oh, so, mm-hmm. so Heath, you're our kind of resident LAFC insider since you help work with the club at times. They have a slot, a DP slot, because Bale and and Chiellini somehow don't hit the cap in that way. I think they will. That would be year. that would be stupid. That would be. I mean, you'd have Suarez, oh Carlos Vela, Bale as your front three. Yeah, there's there's a discussion right now, just generally, because John Thorrington was in Europe, uh, and I don't think it was on vacation in the middle of the season. 
uh, for a very short stint. And, you know, there was the discussion of, of Rashford uh, for both the Galaxy and LAFC, both saying they're not going to they weren't going to fight or negotiate against each other for a player. Uh, but when you think about that, there, there's rumors of them trying to move Chicho Arango, who, by the way, last year set records for the club in his arrival, but just hasn't found a way to. I mean, he had a good good match when he when he when he was in against um, the Galaxy, but generally they've got a slot open, and I don't think they're going to be taking that. Uh, and on the defensive side, though, I do think they need some defensive help. That would make a t- that would be unbelievable to be able to do that. And again, you're kind of. What we're seeing right now, theme-wise from LAFC, is just sort of hedging their bets with Kalini, with Bale, just kind of throwing everything at the core team that they have now, trying to see if they can get the most out of these uh, these these arrival players, and then get the most while you still have your 18 months left with with Carlos Vela. So that would be an unbelievable opportunity, and something that I would say is a better move than than a Rashford would be in terms of like that 18 month deal based on this timeline of this team. Because they've kind of moved away from what they were building and are now going for like, okay, we've we've had our supporters' shields. We're an attractive team. We're we're a, we're a big club, but now we need to go and win MLS Cup. And and I think that could be a huge addition to that. And somebody that you could work in pretty quickly into the style of play makes a ton of sense. It's just always like when you add a player like that to a club that they already have, you start to go, "There's no way they can make that happen." But they actually could financially make that happen. Now. Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you, and I'm asking everybody that's watching right now or hit us up on Twitter if you're listening to this later, ISWT pod on the Twitter. If Suarez went to LAFC mm. and had Bale on one side of him and Vela on the other, would that be the best front three in MLS history? Yes, without a doubt. <laughs> you're not even close. Are you kidding me? Um, just, I just wanted, just wanted to put what? my flag in the ground. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> like, like he said, if you're – if you're looking at LAFC, you you want a strong spine, and what they did with Maxime Cropo as the goalkeeper is massive. That that was the game changer because they gave, always get, found a way to give up silly goals, and when you bring in a stable, consistent goalkeeper, that just brings confidence to to, to the squad, especially the back line, which I think really need to to, to improve. Now, Chiellini is also a short term fix. You don't know if he's going to give you world-class performances and, and Champions League performances or have that ad- real adjustment period of, whoa, this league Yeah, is, and they play a league. high line too. LAFC yeah. are, are, you know, and they get exposed by the players they have now. So Chiellini couldn't be much worse than that. But you talk about a guy who's got some miles on his legs playing a high line. I've seen Chiellini when he plays a high line. And that worries me, but he could be fantastic also. He's right. smart if you If he reads the game super well and, and can put fires out before they happen, which I think he's doing a good job of, already trying to coach this group but uh, i mean if you, it, it's i guess you give john thorrington so much credit for being able to put this together because without a mastermind in terms of okay I, this is the flexibility i have and and how can we allocate certain funds here how can we buy this contract down tam here tam there dp here dp here to have gareth bale already Chiellini and vela in your squad and still have one dp spot open wow if you flip Chicho Arango for an incredible trade, and he's probably worth in terms of Dam, Tam, whatever, whatever you you would like to use, probably Green two, eggs and ham. <laughs> two, two million, two point five, yeah, 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 three, mm-hmm. um, and then you sign a DP and you have all of that ready to kind of fire for the next season. It's it, it would be an incredible coup if if he was able to do that, but um, I don't think LFC needs Suarez. That's another probably. 
point to if that happens we are definitely going to push for steve trundolo to get on the podcast because we just want to see him with the biggest no. smile he's ever going to have yeah by the way jimmy they uh, he did say that like carlos vela is currently the false nine for them in the way that in the squad that they have but it, it's a it's something that will have to change it's essentially what he was saying is somebody's coming in into that spot they're going to have to move arango out and somebody's going to come in to move vela back out onto the wing so I don't, I don't know Ooh. if it could be Suarez, but I know it's somebody, Suarez. and it's somebody big wow, that they're wow, going to bring in. Wow, that will be unbelievable if that actually goes down. Some or, of the biggest or, moves or, I think in MLS. Jesse Lingard, right? <laughs> Jesse Lingard's yeah. another. I mean, there's there's options out there, and you have an appetite from some top players that want to come over and see what it's all about, especially with this Winter World Cup, which I think makes MLS more desirable than ever. All right, we're going to take our first and only break. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the big results, rivalry week in MLS, including Atlanta United, who might be called Dumpster United at this point because it's not looking good for Joseph Martinez and manager Gonzalo Pineda. So do not go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer. We trust I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. And if you're a fan of In Soccer, we trust outside of following us on the Twitter at ISWT Pod. Make sure that uh, you take 60 seconds to nominate us for the 2022 Podcast Awards. Check us out in the sports category. That would be fantastic. We're trying to add more trophies to our cabinet so we can have more. Then Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> I don't know why they always jump to mind when I think about people that just always trip up at the finish line, but they're always at the tip of my tongue. All right, so rivalry weekend happened this past week in MLS. Some cracking games. Let me give you some, some big scores. The Timbers go to Seattle, win 3-0. That is pretty ridiculous. Congratulations to them. They needed that because I felt like they were under a little bit of pressure for maybe not performing as well as they should. LAFC beat the Galaxy in El Trafico 3-2. to Cifuentes had a brace. He was my man of the match. We had NYCFC controversially beating New England Revolution. Bruce Serena, I don't think, is still happy. Probably won't be happy for a while. Three penalties were called in one half. We have uh, Austin FC beating Atlanta United. We'll get into that game a little bit, but that's a pretty big win for Austin, who have now won four straight away from home. Charlotte FC taking care of Nashville pretty easily 4-1. to one. You had uh, Sporting Kansas City getting a big road win. I think maybe their first of the season against Montreal. 2-1. Toronto and the Earthquakes 2-2. I don't know how much of that is a rivalry. Columbus Crew coming back from two goals down to beat the Chicago Fire, who are a dumpster fire as well. They have 3-2 right now. Uh, Houston Dynamo, FC Dallas, fantastic game. Got equalized 2-2 at the very end. Very good. Salt Lake, Colorado Rapids, 2-2 as well. So uh, the Dynamo scored very late in that one. Dallas had gone up 2-1, 
And at the very, very end, uh, Teenage Hadebi scored in the 90, no, actually the 100th minute of extra time. Brandon Cervania, uh, one of our youth national team players, got a red card. He got two yellows in extra time to get thrown out. So uh, Jesus Ferreira had scored in the 92nd minute. And then Teenage scored in the 100th minute. It, it, that one was crazy. That one was a crazy, crazy game. And that was Hector Herrera's first introduction into MLS. So so welcome into that. Now, I don't know which game you guys want to talk about, if there's one in spe- specific that you want to talk about. But we do need to end with Joseph Martinez basically getting out his flamethrower yeah. and throwing everybody under the bus. Um, and, and rightfully so, because they didn't play well against Austin. And they haven't been playing well for quite some time. Uh, Heath, I'll come to you first. Any any of those rivalry games stand out for you? Because we have um, Jesus Ferrer scoring again. Obviously, a very important goal. He's continuing to be looking sharp and and uh, obviously stepping up in big moments. Then on the flip side, Walker Zimmerman, the whole team, Nashville, usually stout defensively, giving up four goals to just a very eager and and, and opportunistic Charlotte FC. Not a good look for him in particular. Not that he was isolated in any of the goals, but still, when you're on a team that gives up four, that's never good. And then I should mention again that Philadelphia Union smoked DC United 7-0. Uh, yeah, any of those games that, that stand out for you, Heath? I mean, the Philadelphia Union one, shout out to to uh, the, the the timeless Alejandro Bedoya for for having a brace in that game. Um, but more specifically, I was at the the Galaxy LAFC game, which I uh, was, was Friday night, and that was a fantastic matchup between the two of them. And again, another one of those places, if you're ever out in L.A., it was unique because it's a Galaxy LAFC, but that atmosphere at Bank of California is an incredible um, experience. And then again, briefly wanted to just mention and give a shout out to Jesus Ferreira, who continues to, uh, despite being an MLSer, uh, perform really well, which I think is really important for us as we're starting to, again, head towards this latter, latter part of the year. Somebody's going to either keep form or catch form that's going to severely impact our national team heading towards the World Cup. So for him to be able to do that in a big moment, in a big game uh, locally, um, I, I think is, is, is shows that he's got some clutch ability to, to, to score goals in big moments. Yeah, that's, that's exciting to see. Chuck, any, any games stand out for you? I know your New yeah, England Revolution yeah, uh, no. was, a, was a bit of a, sh- a shocker for the referee, yeah, I guess, depending was- on who you speak with. I'm sure NYCFC fans were completely happy with that ref. Oh, for sure. But it, it was a shock. <laughs> it, it was a shocker. I mean, let, let's let's be real. Um, I think one, the, the first, uh, the second penalty, I, I didn't see that uh, from Henry, Henry Kessler. And then the third one, it wasn't a penalty. It was outside the box. Yes, it's a red card because he's the last man in denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity, but it was outside the box. So, yeah, it, it's it wasn't a great uh, performance uh, for, from the referee crew. But um I think Charlotte being Nashville 4-1, that, that stood out to me uh, in terms of a big win for Charlotte, who I, I, don't, I think they're punching way above their weight. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they've been impressive. And Nashville has been disappointing uh, on the opposite end of things. I'd also say, you know, Columbus winning at Chicago. I know Chicago's not great. Um, they're actually very bad. But in terms of your DP signing coming in, um, Cucho Hernandez and, and scores that fantastic chip uh, on his debut. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about making the right investment and, and that investment showing that, hey, I'm, I'm for real. That that was good to see. Okay, so there were some fantastic performances. And if you haven't seen the highlights, go to MLSsoccer.com and go, go watch a few of the, the highlights. There's some fantastic goals and great games. But let's talk about Atlanta United losing 3-0 to Austin. 
ultimately what I've seen, I watched a, a portion of the game and, and obviously the highlights, but did a lot of reading and, and, and research on this because I'm just as curious as to why Atlanta United's fallen off so poorly. And, and a lot of it is maybe some of the signings, maybe some of the coaching hires that haven't really panned out. But Joseph Martinez, their star, said this after the game. We play because we have to play. But in the training, some people don't have that energy. Some people don't know what they have to do or they don't recognize or appreciate the jersey and what we've been doing for a long time. And probably that's the biggest problem. The injuries isn't the biggest problem. And I'm, I'm going to start here, uh, stop here because Atlanta um, have lost Ozzy Alonzo, who I think gives them that bite in the middle of midfield, even though he's 36. You lost Brad Guzan, your starting goalkeeper. You lost Miles Robinson, your starting center back. You got Andrew Gutman. Uh, left back is out with a hammy injury. You got another right back, Ronald Hernandez, is out with a with a knee injury. You got Brooks Lennon, knee injuries out at right back. Emerson Hyman just went out again with a with a hamstring injury. So they they especially when I those are all goalkeepers or defenders or holding midfielders for the most part. So I think that's lending itself to some of the issues. But now let me continue with Joseph, who then says we play soccer and you can have injuries every day. And some people still think, oh, because we lost this guy, this guy. Well, we all make mistakes and we are professionals. We're not kids anymore. And if you come here, you have to know what you have to do. And if you don't come here for 100%, probably you don't have to choose to play at this club. That's the message for everyone. If you want to bring guys here, this is his shot at the front office, it's because they want to play here and it's not because of business. And that's been happening for a long time. Thoughts on those comments from Joseph Martinez, Heath Pierce? Yeah, I mean, that that feels deeply personal of somebody who has been there during the best of times for Atlanta United. And now we're seeing... Uh, a lack of that cohesion, right? When, when, if you think about LA Galaxy, LAFC, Seattle, again, we we've discussed this of like most well-known clubs in Major League Soccer. Atlanta became one of the first ones that even went further into Europe of like this club, this atmosphere, this thing that they're building here overnight. It's like this this wildfire, and and it came with like an instant uh, gratification in terms of success. And I think now they're having to go through that foundation of building a club and a culture that is bigger than just the, that core group of players you first, first bought in. And they're going through that right now, and they've been going through that. And so he certainly... Hmm. Wow, he's uh, a mid yeah, yeah, he, he, he away, gone. Charlie. He's <laughs> yeah, he, he gone. So, so your thoughts on Joseph Martinez, Charlie, and we'll let Heath circle back after you're done. Yeah, Joseph, again, he's been out as well. It hasn't been 100% Joseph Martinez. And he's had to come, he's come back from the ACL and it's been up and down. Like most players, it's going to take time till you, till you get into a groove and, and figure out, okay, this is how I have to adapt, uh, adapt and adjust my body. This to me is a shot at one of two players. And whether it's Luis Arujo or um, if you're talking about Tiago Almada, because those are the two top arrivals and they spend a great deal of money on. So it's it's one of those two that he's referring to in terms of don't make business decisions or have the players come here for business decisions, which means they're coming here for money. They're coming here for a big salary and there's no drive and ambition and accountability. So that's what he's signaling, one. And two, you talk about the culture of the club. They had that when they had Jeff Lorenz, when they had Park, Michael Parkhurst, they had Brad Guzan. The three of them, you you could get a good sense of, of what this club's about on top of Tata Martino, who was able to bring 
Miguel Amaron, who was able to bring Joseph Martinez and really create this club. And, the, and, and establish an identity. Right. Yeah, they don't have an identity right now. I think that's that's no. part of the biggest issue. And and I like Gonzalo Pineda as a coach. I, I was too. really excited. But something's I, – I get the sense, and, and I want to get your thoughts, Charlie, and we'll let you go because I know you have a manicure-pedicure appointment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, there was – I feel like he's too nice, Gonzalo Pineda. That's, that's the vibe that I get. He was an assistant coach for a long time, and when you're the assistant, sometimes you have maybe too much nice guy vibes because that's been your role for so long because you're never the head guy. Yes, and, and you know, and you also have Rob Valentino there, who mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has been with Atlanta United for for some time. I don't. I wouldn't say it's it's because of the, the nice guy approach, because mm-hmm. he has he has tactics, he has a plan, and it's over a long a long term because he expects to be there for a long time. This was this was never about immediate results. And Miles Robinson, that's the big loss. Let's, let's yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a starting U.S. men's national team center back and arguably the best. Tata Martino gave this club a great start in, into the league. And, and once he goes, you don't you don't necessarily marry yourself to his style of play. Now, there are some players who, who stay and, and there's that turnover moment, but you have to build, continue to build. And Joseph Martinez goes down. You kind of throw that season away. You, you make the hire of Pineda because he showed he showed real promise at the end of last year to get them to to be competitive at the end to challenge for a playoff spot. And I think this year, another a number of injuries, and I think the level of expectation has dropped for Atlanta United, and that's what's really tough for a player like Joseph Martinez because you're always competing to be the best in the mm-hmm. top and pushing for MVP and Golden Boot honors, and that's just not the reality of the situation right now. So now and and now he's threatening that he might leave after his next exactly year, which, exactly uh, well, they, would be a so, big, big loss. So for would, would you consider trading Joseph Martinez in the league? Whew, I LAFC no baby? Now, Joseph Martinez. No I don't think you're going to ever be the best. The same, yeah, you're never going to get the same Joseph Martinez that you had before, right? Uh, we've seen that. You could get to that, but it takes time. It's not just like okay, knee feels better now. Now we've got our. You know, and obviously there was a little bit of that. Joseph Martinez was set to uh, break the record for scoring against more teams than anybody in history. And, you know, he's team's not in great form and he's a little bit heated about that sort of stuff. But again, the problem with teams that come into the league and have instant success is that sometimes it's the it's the tip of the iceberg and you don't know what's underneath it. You don't know the foundation that it's built on. And like Charlie said, they had good leadership in that when they built that team. But that doesn't mean that the club has a good foundation of culture and leadership. You've got to build that over time. You've got to build that through accountability. You've got to build that through good times. But more importantly, you got to build yeah, that through yeah, bad times. Through. Um, yeah. And they're going through that now. And, and I think sometimes that's the problem when you come in, you get the right group together. And LAFC, you're going through the same thing. Um, and and with Steve Trundle is doing a good job of trying to build, like, what's our actual style of play? That goes beyond the coach. So get rid of Steve Trundolo. Who's coming in now that helps to develop this club into the right direction, sign the right players, because otherwise you fall into that vicious cycle of MLS. New coach comes, he wants new players, new style of play, new culture, new everything. And then you, you see a lot of these clubs that have never been able to actually build a foundation for you know the club being bigger than anything or anyone. Sounds like uh, Heath is blaming the Atlanta front office in this one. I'm just throwing that out there, everybody. Charlie, no. we're going to let you go. I hope you get a massage with your manicure mm-hmm. pedicure today. Great to uh, see you as always. Yeah. Me, and Heath, me and Heath will uh, finish the show in, in your honor, and uh, we'll take the final thoughts because your final thoughts usually last about 10 minutes. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Chuck Wagon is out. All right, Heath, me and you kind of finishing this up. Let, let's. I actually just want to talk about 
the Atlanta front office. Clearly, there was something put in place, and it seems like they've gotten away from that with some poor signings. Is it simply down to that? Because when I think about Atlanta United, when I watch them play, they went from a collection uh, of a team that that had an identity. You knew how they wanted to move. You knew how they wanted to have success to a team that seems very individualistic and a collection of players that are all kind of doing the same things. And I don't know if they all, you know, and they have had some significant injuries. That, that has to be said because it is influencing yeah. what's happening. But they still seem to be lacking something that even, even in bad times, they're not figuring out or solving problems or having enough of that grit to work through the adversity. And so how much of the front office do you think has to take some responsibility for this? Well, like they moved Jurgen Dam and they've, 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 it's, it's just, they are, they should be accountable, but it's extremely hard to be in a situation where you've got a number of injured players and the injury bug gets, hits your club because then you're constantly stuck between like, I've got these expensive players. Where's my salary cap at? Do I go and sign new players? What's the next player coming in? And you're under the attention of being a big club like Atlanta United FCR. And so it's tough. And also, Jimmy, it's natural, right? It's human nature to think that when you get the hot hand that you're just going to continue to have it. I remember going back to when you and I were at Chivas from year one to year two that I was there before I got traded away. Year two came in and it was like nine new guys came from South America. And it changed the whole dynamic of the club, right? We were maybe... And you know, you 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 obviously had had the injury, so you were out most of the, that that first season together. But we were probably two or three pieces off of being a playoff team, right? We we played really good soccer, we had a good style of play, we couldn't score goals, but overall, we we ended up becoming a pretty good team. And then all of a sudden, the whole dynamic shifted, right? X amount of players, new clicks forming in the locker room, different demands, different cultures, different mm-hmm. understandings of the game, styles of play. Now you're sort of forced to say, okay, I'm a coach. I'm in the second year of my deal, or now I'm feeling the pressure. Now we're going to play with what I got versus how I want to play. And so you take mm-hmm. that, that's on the field. And then you go to front office and you start going like, man, maybe we got a few of those wrong. And you've also got to say, well, we got to give them time to develop because we've got foreign players and right, they've got to, right. you know, sort of take time. And so it's just, it's just a very difficult thing that people think is easy to go from one year to the next. That's why these dynasties and people talk about around Europe and and clubs like Manchester United have uh, had this run. And then it's been a decade since they've had that same run because it's not easy and, and, and it's a challenge and it's a mix of things, tangible and intangible that you can't always measure. And so I think they're going through that right now for their, for the, for what I think is an extended period of their first time. And uh, it's hard to climb out of that. Now the players are frustrated for Joseph Martinez, who had it really good since he got there on loan to then being yeah, a big right, star player, right. the, uh, an injury to him. And so, and, and, and had some, I, I don't some know players. Where, well, yeah. no, they just like, like really complimented Joseph Martinez before you moved on to your next thought. Yeah. Like Miguel Miron, obviously a perfect compliment to the skill set, And it feels like they're not building the team in the same way, but the one thing I wanted to add with what you're saying and, and uh, that insight from Chivas USA days is, is apt because it is hard to build something, even though you might have all the pieces on paper and you have these bright coaches that, that have a great style. Maybe you're not executing. Maybe you don't have everything you need on the field to make that happen. You have some significant injuries and then everything kind of falls apart. And how do you paper over the cracks? I think the issue for Atlanta, and I'm going to speak for some Atlanta United fans here, and, and as a fan myself of, of the teams that I support, if you don't see the base basic hustle, like the things that you do have control over, you can't control injuries, which to Joseph Martinez's point, but that team can still go out there and fight and try to win second balls, right? And try to do these little things and work together. And if one guy gets beat, there's going to be some pride and I'm going to make sure I cover for that guy. And when you don't see those things, that's where I think you start to, to lose the fans because those are just basic expectations that every time you put on the shirt of your club, 
you go out there and put your best foot forward and give everything that you have. And if you don't see that, that is where things start to get a little dicey. And I think that's ultimately what Joseph Martinez is, is speaking about and why that frustration starts to seep into the fans who not only were spoiled right off the bat from Atlanta United's perspective, but but because there's just they're missing that one key component. You yeah, agree? I agree. I mean, it's, it's it comes down to again, who's that? Who's your? You have different types of leaders in a team, right? Who's who? Who are your leaders? And who's who's? Some lead by example. Some lead uh, verbally. Some lead in pure talent. And the culture of that team starts to get a little bit rocky. And it's easy to have leaders when your team is winning everything and your team is in great form. It's harder when te- when times are tough that somebody's going to be able to take that accountability and go. Okay, so. We're almost done with the show, but I do want to let everybody know that on Thursday, our very own Hollywood Heath Pierce is going to be as Hollywood as ever and have a sit-down interview with Chelsea's Mason Mount, which is very, very exciting. So I assume you're going to pepper him with a whole bunch of U.S. Men's National Team questions. <laughs> is that how it's going to work, Heath? And 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 uh, can we get some? Can you get some insight about Christian Pulisic? The guy seems pretty guarded about you know, off the field stuff. And I'd kind of like to know a little bit more. I assume Mason Mount, who's known him for a long time, has got some of that dirt. I mean, what, what kind of questions do you have ready for us, Heath? And if anybody has questions that you want Heath to ask Mason Mount, put those in the comments right now, or actually better yet, hit us up on Twitter, ISWT pod, and, and give us a follow there and then let Heath tag all of us and let Heath, what kind of questions you want him to ask Mason Mount. Are, are you nervous, Hollywood? Or are you just so Hollywood you don't get nervous for these types of things anymore? No, it's funny. Like it, it's usually because I feel like I'm usually one degree removed from most players that I'm not nervous. But when it's somebody that I have no real, like I don't know Christian Pulisic well, therefore I definitely don't know Mason Mount. You know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see. Like you kind of, you know, Jimmy, you got to sort of build the vibe and like kind of maybe throw a zinger at him once to just kind of tear that wall <laughs> down and be like, hey, peer to peer. And um, and so I've got, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to put together a lot of good questions talking about Champions League. We're going to talk about England in the World Cup. We're going to talk about Christian Pulisic, U.S. national team, England national team, and all those things. And would love for, for everybody to submit a few questions because we'd love to throw in a few user-submitted questions just to, to uh, kind of throw at him. Yeah, of course. Can you bet him that if England loses to the U.S. in the World Cup that he's got to call it soccer for at least a year? Can you, can you put that in Let, there somewhere? He's got to wear uh, a Christian Pulisic jersey <laughs> and call it soccer for a year. Yes, I think that I think that has to happen. He's got he owes us that because I think that would be that would be pretty cool. Well, any final thoughts, Keith Pierce, before you do your Mason yeah, Mount interview just, on Thursday? Anything from MLS or anything we discussed? What do you got for us today? No, my final thought is that, and and I could be wrong on this, but I've just got this flashback of, of saying the wrong name that I thought I may have said Marcus Rashford earlier in the episode about being touted for LAFC and Galaxy instead of it being Jesse Lingard. I may have said Lingard the right. Uh, I may have been Lingard. correct, but said Lingard. Okay. Yeah, I was a little bit worried about that. And, you know, like there, our audience holds us to a certain standard, Jimmy, as you know. As they should. uh, That there are people that watch it to see us mess up, uh, watch the show, which (laughs) I love too. Like I love anybody who's supporting the show uh, for whatever reasons. And so I just wanted to make sure I clarified that in case it was wrong. But other than that, no more uh, thoughts. How about you? No, Marcus Rashford was training in LA recently. So I can understand why you maybe made that link. I don't know if you knew that he was there or not, but uh, I know he's. Been going around doing his uh, tour of the U.S. Uh, I think on behalf of Nike. So, so I know he was in L.A. for for a brief period of time. But no, that's it. I got no other final thoughts. It's been a great show as always. We appreciate your support. So, on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Mister Manicure Pedicure himself, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching. In soccer, we trust. 
and we will see you on Thursday with just Heath and just Mason Mount, and it's going to be fantastic. And then you see the rest of us on Friday. We'll see you then. Later.